Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Oh, yes! And the Ice Bears win 3-2 in overtime! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. I'm Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you taking the time to check out the KIB pod, whether you're doing so on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Thank you for making some time for the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast this week. And... Quite a bit to get to. A lot of goals scored by Knoxville over the weekend. Ended up in a weekend split in a home-and-home series with the Huntsville Havoc. But big sellout win on Saturday night. A a huge turn here for Knoxville as they get ready for the rest of this gauntlet. uh, The rest of the month of January. And the standings continue to be a really good point of conversation as you look at how close everything is for teams 1-9. through but starting to see a little bit of separation with the top of the pack and another series that took place elsewhere that might require one team garnering a lot more attention than they had been during the first two months or so of the season. So let's get started with Knoxville. The Ice Bears coming off that loss to Birmingham um, on New Year's Day. They go on the road on Friday and they take on Huntsville. Just much like the last time that the Ice Bears went to Huntsville. Slow start for the Ice Bears. A fast start for Huntsville. Tyler Piacentini scored a minute and a half into the game. He scored again at the halfway point. So Huntsville had a 2-0 lead after the first period. Knoxville started to find some offense. And defensively, Knoxville still struggled. Still made a couple of poor plays in transition. But Knoxville got a really big explosion of offense in that second period with four goals. They scored three goals in a three-minute and seven-second span to tie the game at four. And then moments after that, took a penalty. It resulted in a power play goal for Rob Dara. So Knoxville had closed the gap from the first intermission to the second intermission, but wasn't enough. Kept taking penalties. Spent too much time in the box. Gave up another power play goal that ultimately ended up being a big difference. Knoxville cut the deficit to 6-5, but ended up giving up another goal. And, And so just not really a whole lot that could be done after the Ice Bears had worked so hard to cut the deficit after trailing by as many as three goals in that game. An empty netter ended up making it 8-5 to five by the time it was all said and done, but I think there were a lot of positives that Knoxville took away from that game. Uh, Bailey McBurney, I think, had a couple of shots that he would have liked to have had back. Um, ended up just getting a couple of bad bounces on a couple of redirects, some back-to-back goals that turn it from a 2-1 to game to a 4-1 to game, so McBurney's night was over after it was a you know two to one game early in the second period. Knoxville got some momentum back, but then a couple of bad bounces. So McBurney was done on just eleven shots against, gave up four goals, only had seven saves. Alec Calvaruso came in and made twenty three stops, but uh, gave up three goals all in the same fashion on one timers from the circle, two on the power play by Rob Dara and uh, Tyler Piacentini ended up with a hat trick. So. Uh, just a, a really tough night for Knoxville defensively. And, you know, that third goal by Piacentini, uh, the, the one-timer from the bottom of the circle, he he's in a good spot there. 
and probably shouldn't have been just a busted up play for Knoxville at the other end, right? Uh, just a few moments after Knoxville nearly uh, tied the game at six, and instead Huntsville goes in transition and makes it seven to five with Piacentini's third goal of the night, and then Nutkovich with the empty netter to cap off the scoring. And so I think frustration, obviously, because you go on the road, you score five goals, you ha- you have a stretch where you score three goals in a short amount of time, and you still don't get the win, and. Yeah, that happened in December uh, against Roanoke. Knoxville scored three goals in 94 seconds and still lost the game. And so despite being able to overcome a slow start, uh, Knoxville really, I think it was a wake-up call of needing to find ways to A, stop starting slow, B, stay out of the box. Knoxville did a better job of that on Saturday when they came home. Knoxville scored first, which obviously helps. It, it's not the end-all, be-all. Knoxville's had a handful of games this year where they scored first and lost. But when Huntsville responded with a goal late in the first period, and it, it came off a, a miscue, a rare turnover in the neutral zone by Dino Balsamo that results in Rob Dara going the other way on a breakaway. He puts it past Bailey McBurry, McBurney, um, and just a tough break for Knoxville. And then going into the second period, Knoxville gets a power play for the most part, had Stayed fairly disciplined. Huntsville only had one power play attempt in the first period. And going the other way, Knoxville gets a power play early. Track a loose puck, throwing pucks on net. Good things happen. It results in a loose puck for Brett Beauvais. Knoxville scores. A minute later, Knoxville's on the power play again after another penalty. What does Bailey Conger do? Throws the puck on net. Rexmo tries to make a play. The puck ends up getting bounced to the left side of the crease again. Balsamo's right there to be able to put it home. And so throwing pucks on net, Knoxville is one of the lower shooting teams in the SPHL, despite the fact that they're actually one of the higher scoring teams in the SPHL. So Knoxville, a team that's kind of been looking at, you know, quality over quantity and now starting to, I think, getting the idea of wanting to generate more of those rebound attempts and just throwing pucks on net. Knoxville's third in the league in total goal scored right now. So it's a team that, can generate chances and and you know obviously find ways to to score goals. They've got three of the top goal scorers in the league right now, which is interesting. And when you look at it, Justin McDonald leads the league in goals with 15. Brady Florent, who hasn't played for Knoxville and you know, coming up on three weeks, still is tied for second in the league lead with goals with 14. And then Balsamo's got 12 on the year after scoring on Saturday and. I think that's impressive in and of itself because Balsamo didn't have a goal through the first six games that he played this season. So it's, you know, it's a team that has not just guys that can contribute offensively, but guys can, that, that can put the puck in the net. And, and Knoxville's got, you know, they had three of those guys in the roster uh, at one point this time. And let's see what happens with Brady Florin in the ECHL. Obviously, he's not there right now, but, you know, Balsamo's been able to come in and help supplement the offense in an area where Florent, obviously you miss having Brady in the lineup and McDonald has continued to uh, perform offensively. And with Florent being gone, you've seen McDonald who has typically been a pass first playmaker type guy, be willing to take more shots. Um, you know, he came close to scoring late in the first period against Huntsville on Friday. And then he got the empty netter on Saturday, but he, he knows how to create chances for himself. He knows how to put himself in position to be able to find chances and still knows how to set up his teammates well. So uh, now McDonald leading the league in points uh, through the first full week of January. And Knoxville's got guys that can do it, but I think having the approach against a team like Huntsville where you're throwing pucks on net and 
against, you know, goalies like Mike Robinson and Nick Latinovich, where, yes, those guys are really solid. Latinovich has had a great year, but it's not the same level of rebound control, I think, anyway, that of what we saw with Max Milosic and Hunter Vorver from Huntsville a year ago. And so you find a loose puck, a, a big, powerful guy like Rex Moe's able to pop it free. And Balsamo ends up scoring a huge goal for Knoxville early in the third. And that 3-1 score held up until Knoxville added on the empty netter. McBurney, I I thought it was really impressive the way that he had a huge bounce back night. Because uh, obviously there's been some struggle with Jimmy Perita being on call up to the ECHL. Christian Stead is not eligible to come back from the IR until after the Peoria trip coming up this weekend. And so it's tough in net for... Knoxville right now and I think McBurney's done a great job Alec Calvaruso's had a couple of really good games but then you saw Calvaruso having a stretch where okay he he gave up a handful of goals against Huntsville after Stead was knocked out of the game and then going on the road he gives up some goals and uh, goals early and so McBurney has to come in in relief and then he has to come in in relief of McBurney when they go back to Huntsville so you know, the two games that Knoxville has played at the Von Braun Center, the starting goaltender has been chased. And three of the four games this year against Huntsville, they've had to make a substitution at goalie, either from a goalie being pulled or a goalie being injured. And so when you don't have consistency in net, it's tough to beat teams, especially teams like Huntsville that have so much depth up front. I mean, a few weeks ago, Jacob Barber was a third line forward. And then Bear Gendinov gets injured. And now Barber's back on that second line, still contributing. But remember how good Barber was a year ago. Take note of how good Barber's been this year. Uh, the fact that he's not a first-line forward just goes to show how steady Huntsville is up front. And so it, it's tough to beat those teams when you're having to make goaltender changes. But uh, credit to Huntsville. They had a five-game win streak that included three wins against Knoxville. The Ice Bears got Huntsville back on Saturday. That was a huge win for the Ice Bears, especially when you look at the way that the standings have been playing out. Now, despite beating Huntsville and and tying the Havoc in points this season. Knoxville actually dropped in the standings to seventh because of a six-game win streak for Fayetteville. We'll get to that a little bit more in just a moment, but it's it's a big win for Knoxville, and I thought what the Ice Bears did so well on Saturday is something that we saw in that late November win against Roanoke. The day before Thanksgiving when the Ice Bears went on the road and beat Roanoke in overtime, you saw... Great back-checking by the forwards, but you also saw defensemen getting back and actively looking for pucks. You didn't see guys over overcommit, especially on the penalty kill. Knoxville didn't take risks, didn't try to go out and just swing. You saw guys staying in position, guys laying out, blocking shots. Uh, if there were rebounds from McBurney, they were immediately cleared away from the crease. Um, a couple of miscues that probably should have led to some goals, especially twice there late in the third period. Knoxville turned the puck over all alone the slot for Rob Dara. He misses the one-timer. Then Knoxville immediately gives it back to Dara in the same spot, and he missed that one-timer. So, you know, was it was it perfect? No. But I thought Knoxville was crisp, especially on the penalty kill. Really, after Huntsville's first power play chance, it, it seemed like Knoxville really settled into its penalty kill, active sticks in the D zone, breaking up passes, getting sticks on shots, forcing a lot of pucks out of play. Uh, taking away the net front presence, allowing McBurney to have a lot of vision. And there were a couple of shots that I think McBurney got lucky on. There was one that hit him in the arm that looked like he didn't see it as it got through traffic. Um, Another blast by Sam Hunter from the right point, clanked off the post and, you know, hit the iron so hard that it went out of play and and probably should have been a goal. So 
know, there were there were some moments. It's a game of inches, and there were some moments that Huntsville's probably going to look at on film of that Saturday game and think, man, we we really could have had that game again. And so it's not a matter of Huntsville didn't have chances, but Knoxville definitely took a lot away from Huntsville in that game, and it's something that Knoxville really didn't do in their first three meetings against the Havoc. And for McBurney, I thought it was impressive for him to just have a, a solid bounce-back week. And and that takes a lot because you, you give up four goals on 11 shots. Usually you're not starting the following night. Um, it wouldn't have surprised me if Calvaruso had maybe gotten the nod. And I- instead, based on what McBurney had done in his first three appearances for the Ice Bears this year, Brent Clark opts to go back to McBurney, and, and he pays it off in a big way. And that that's, I think, a huge confidence booster for McBurney. And that's a huge statement, I think, to to Clark about what McBurney's going to the bring to the table. And obviously, you know, you have this is a similar situation what happened last year. Parita instead were both on call-up. And so Knoxville's rotating a, a couple of different goalies. You had Evan Moyes, Brendan Colgan, uh, Sammy Bernard, uh, Tristan Kote-Kazanov. You, you had a number of different goalies that came in for Knoxville last season, and right now you don't have Stead because he's injured. Now, he obviously he's not on call-up, so Stead is expected to come back. And talking to Stead on New Year's Day, he said, I, f- I feel better every day. So it's a lower body injury. He says he's feeling better. My expectation is that when it's time for him to come off the IR, he's going to be ready to go. But then you have a decision to make about who that second guy is going to be if Jimmy Parita is still playing games up in the ECHL, and I think Jimmy right now through four games with Orlando has a 2.77 goals against average, so he's he's been playing pretty well in the coast, and I think that really goes to show it's a 2.85 with a 9.03 save percentage. He's 2-2 two and two on the season, won his first two games, and has dropped his last two starts, but I think you look at you know a situation where who knows how long Parita's going to be up there, and with the exception of Kyler Matthews, None of Knoxville's call-ups have come back. Stead, you know, was gone for a couple of days to Norfolk, but was back quickly. And Jimmy, meanwhile, has, you know, been up in Orlando for several weeks. So let's see what happens with Brady Florent, Andrew Ballant, and Brett Outerkirk. But, you know, but especially for Ballant and Outerkirk, those guys have been gone a while. I mean, Outerkirk's been gone since the second weekend of the season. And so you kind of start to wonder, are you ever going to get those guys back? But, you know, for the time being, Parita is not in Knoxville, and so when Stead returns, you need to make a decision on who's going to be your second goalie behind Christian Stead. Well, Balin McBurney made a huge statement about what that decision could be when the time comes for it to be able to to get a huge performance in net, and it's it's a really nice win, I think, for McBurney personally, but I think it's also a good performance for Knoxville. The guys in front of him played better. Penalty killers were great. McBurney still had to make some great saves. Tough break on the breakaway goal there, but I I think Knoxville has to be really pleased with how it played against Huntsville, and that's the sort of performance you want going into just a monster weekend against Peoria. Three games in less than 72 hours. They'll play Friday and Saturday night, and then they'll play Sunday afternoon. So you're going on the road, defending President's Cup champions, and a team that has already swept you in your barn this year. And so for Knoxville, you know, they they had a lead against Peoria the first time they played the Rivermen, ended up blowing it, losing in regulation. Then they rallied from a two-goal deficit, tied the game, um, had to tie it again in the third period, lost in a shootout. So for Knoxville, I, I think there's a lot of anticipation going into this series. 
but it's also a Peoria team that's lost two of its last three. And so for the Rivermen, if you go into this game and you are, are flat, I think Knoxville's playing at an opportunistic level where they could try to steal points from you, but you're three points behind Peoria. Peoria's in third place, Knoxville's in seventh, but that's how tight this race is right now. I mean, Knoxville's five points out of first place, and if the season ended today, they would likely have to be on the road for the entirety of the postseason just to win and make the finals and win the President's Cup. They'd be the seventh seed. So the season ended today, they'd have to go to Evansville, and then if you got chalk outside of that, if the Ice Bears won, they'd have to go on the road again likely to Peoria, or excuse me, likely to Roanoke. And then if you got chalk after that, you're probably going to either Peoria or Birmingham. So it's, you know, it's always tough to be able to win on the road in this league and then to win playoff series. And occasionally you see teams that go on these Cinderella runs. You saw Roanoke do it last year, but ultimately fell short in the final. And so for Knoxville, it's just how important these series are because you can, uh, the with how tight it is right now, nobody has really separated themselves. Roanoke is starting to put pieces together. They, you know, got a huge sweep over the weekend. They're seven and three in their last 10 games. They took care of business against Macon, but it's also a matter of, okay, now what happens if Evansville starts to put things together? Now Evansville's won three straight and and now the Thunderbolts are sticking around and you know what Evansville kind of has working against them is the fact they've played more games than everybody else. They've played 27 games this year and they're only two points back of Roanoke, but Peoria, they've played fewer games than everybody else in the league this year outside of Macon and Vermilion County. And so they've got multiple games in hand over Roanoke and Evansville. And so from a point percentage standpoint, Peoria is still in first. They're only two points out of first place. So the way it works right now is you've got Roanoke with 36 points. Evansville and Peoria are two games back. Birmingham, or two points back, I should say. Birmingham is three points back. Fayetteville is four points back. And then Huntsville and Knoxville are five points back. And then another seven points after Knoxville are Pensacola and Quad City tied with 24 points each. Pensacola has dropped four straight. Quad City has dropped four straight. And that kind of brings us into our next point of contention. Quad City just got swept three games in three days, got swept with three regulation losses to Fayetteville. Fayetteville has won six in a row. They've won eight of their last 10. They have been really, really solid. They are starting to get things cooking with Jason Pulaski and Nett. He had a shutout over the weekend. Uh, the marksmen have been playing really well. Brian Bowen has maybe been playing the best hockey of just about any player in the league over the last three weeks. Um, they have been really, really solid, Fayetteville has. And, and this is a team that actually had a losing record not too long ago. And now they're 15-10-2. They're climbing up the standings. They're sitting in fifth right now in points. They're four points out of first place. And they're going to have a ton of opportunities to be able to make up some of the deficit because Fayetteville and Roanoke always play each other so much. And they've got games coming up this Friday and Saturday. And so that that's a huge series. And Fayetteville is red hot. And that's at Crown Coliseum. And so I know that the, the narrative has been a little bit different this year because of how good Roanoke's been. But historically, over the last couple of seasons, Fayetteville has owned Roanoke at games played at Crown Coliseum. Games in Fayetteville have typically gone in favor of the marksmen. And so if Fayetteville gets a sweep this weekend... And you're talking about Fayetteville now having an eight-game win streak and being a point behind the rail yard dogs after this weekend. Like, the standings are just insane with how everything could potentially play out. And you've got big series this week because Huntsville's going to play Evansville on Wednesday, and then the Havoc are going to take on Pensacola. Then they're going to take on Evansville again. 
So it's, uh, you know, Huntsville's got three big games this week. Birmingham's going to face Evansville. Quad City goes up against Vermilion County. So an opportunity for the Storm to try to get back into the playoff mix and, and try to fight off Pensacola for that eight spot right now. Vermilion County's playing better hockey than when Knoxville saw them in the middle of December. It was a more competitive game when Vermilion County came here on New Year's Eve. And now Vermilion County, they've got a win over Peoria recently. They're, they're picking up wins here and there against certain teams. So Roanoke's got Fayetteville this weekend, Huntsville with games against Evansville and Pensacola, Pensacola with a game against Huntsville. They've got a game against Birmingham on Saturday. Um, And then coming up over uh, at the tail end of the weekend, you have Knoxville taking on Peoria, but you also have Peoria taking on Quad City next week. You're going to have Macon and Pensacola. You're going to have Huntsville and Birmingham coming up on the 16th. So they're, they're just games across the board. Uh, with that Huntsville-Birmingham game on Monday that are are just, I think, going to be really impactful for the standings. And it felt like for a while Birmingham was maybe trending downward. That's at least what James Hayes of Field Pass Hockey felt was the case when I joined him on the Inside the SPHL podcast a few weeks ago. I don't really think that's the case anymore. Birmingham's won two straight, six of their last ten. It's been a good-looking club and starting to find another groove. I think they've shored up some things on defense that's allowed them to take some points. And now here they are sitting in fourth place with a a monster game coming up against Huntsville here in in about a week. So I I just think that now you're getting to this point where every game's a four point game. And it was not like this last year. You had tiers last season. You clearly had Knoxville, Huntsville and Peoria were the top three teams. Then you had Fayetteville and quad city where we're fighting for that, those four and five spots. And then it was Pensacola kind of sitting pretty in sixth place. And then, Evansville, you know, were, was Roanoke going to catch up to them? Was there going to be a change in seating there? You know, could Birmingham make a playoff push? And then you had Macon and Vermilion County down at the end. And so I, I think you obviously understood the talent because I think Fayetteville had championship talent last year. I think Quad City had championship talent last year. Roanoke obviously made a championship effort in getting to the President's Cup final but as far as what the seedings were going to look like, that picture started to become pretty clear, you know, not too long after where we're at right now. Right now, it, it's really anyone's game. I mean, this series with Knoxville and Peoria could flip the standings for both teams. You have Birmingham with upcoming games against Pensacola and Huntsville, Fayetteville and Roanoke. Evansville's got to take on Huntsville this week twice. So th- there's just so much happening with what could happen in the standings week to week. And and so, you know, Knoxville was in a tie for third a week ago. Now they're sitting in seventh, despite the fact that they're coming off a really encouraging win against the Havoc. So let's see what happens as this all plays out. But it just goes to show how important every weekend is. And and Dino Balsamo, when I interviewed him on Saturday, you know, he, he kind of points something out. He said, you know, we're still technically in the first half of the season. You're not going to win every game. You're not going to lose every game. You're going to have skids. You're going to have win streaks. Teams are going to get hot. It's it's too early to get stressed out about the standings. And I think Dino's wise in saying that because you, you can't, you know, you understand the significance of each game. You don't want to take days off, but you also can't stress after a loss. And Knoxville had plenty of reasons to stress after the loss on Friday. They had plenty of reasons to celebrate after the win on Saturday. And a great crowd for the Ice Bears, sold out crowd on Superhero Night. You know, fans got loud, great crowd noise, and the Ice Bears played, you know, one of the best games that they have probably in the last five or six weeks as far as a complete game, perfect on the power on the penalty kill. First two power plays resulted in goals and ended up being the game-winning goals for Knoxville. 
and great goaltending and defense just kept Huntsville at arm's length the entire second and third period. And that's what Knoxville really needed, I think, as they get ready for a monster series against Peoria. So thank you for listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Again, all three games this weekend will be at Union Place Bar and Grill on Chambliss Avenue in Bearden for the road game watch party. And we'll have the call for you on 105.1 WKCE. I'm Joel Silverberg with this edition of the KIB podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.